0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Yes Men, YesNetwork.com's brand new podcast starring me. I'm Lou DiPietro, and alongside me is Doug Williams.
1: Hello, everybody. What's going on? Uh, Lou and I are are work pals, first and foremost. This is basically like if any of you had recordings of your conversations at the water cooler, this is pretty much what that would be like. That's what it's like for us.
0: That's sort of how the uh, podcast came about. Yeah, so many discussions at the water cooler, and we said let's record it and let everyone listen.
1: Right. And this is a hypothetical water cooler. I, I, I'm a bottle water guy, but, you know, that's just how I am.
0: Well, I have a cup of coffee in front of me, so I guess it's a water cooler, coffee maker, insert apparatus here kind yeah, of it's talk just show. Uh,
1: just endless cliches. Um, so I guess our first discussion uh, has to be the Yankees.
0: It has to be the Yankees. This weekend was not the optimal result for those Yankees, I can say. Uh, they, they went on a tear there for a while, but as I've said to you, Doug, for the last couple weeks, it's great, all well and good, wonderful, and you need the wins when you're beating the Angels and winning two out of three from the Red Sox and sweeping the Blue Jays. But when it comes to facing the teams directly in front of you in that card chase, and the Red Sox are one of those, but the Rays, the Orioles coming up, you need to win those series and the Yankees were unable to do that. They lost the first two at the drop, came back to rebound and win on Sunday to keep themselves from falling too far back. But those are series where you need to win two out of three minimum to propel yourself forward. You know, sweeping the Blue Jays is all well and good. They're in last place. So it's four wins, but if Tampa or Boston or Oakland or Cleveland wins three out of four, two out of four, you only gain one or two games. When it comes to playing a team like the Rays, if they win two out of three, they gain a game. If they sweep, they gain three games. If they lose two out of three, they lose a game, which is what they did. And then compounded with Monday night's loss to Toronto kind of set them back a little further. So those, you know, tonight after tonight, they play 20 of their final 29 games against the AL East. There's a couple with Toronto still in there, but they play the Rays... Uh, another series, they play the Red Sox a couple more times. They got six with the Orioles. Those are the games where they're going to need to to win two out of three. And, and if they don't, that's that's going to be where you can look back and say this is where the Yankees
1: failed in their playoff push. Yeah, you know, it's funny. A month sounds like such a long time, but if you look at the month of September and the Yankees' schedule, it really isn't all that much. If I'm th- if I'm the Yankees, I am thinking. I want to sweep or win, I preferably sweep, both the Orioles series at home and the White Sox at home. They would really love to sweep the White Sox because they're a bad team and they got swept in Chicago, which is the series I think if the Yankees end up not making the playoffs, they'll look back on and say, we really missed an opportunity there. Obviously, I I think the bottom line is the Yankees know that the Red Sox are beatable. I I think that winning two out of three at Fenway was probably the biggest series of their season so far. Um, And I think that they'd like to take two out of three from the Red Sox uh, at Yankee Stadium. The the unfortunate thing for the Yankees, and I just did uh, an episode of Reply All for YesNetwork.com and and our YouTube channel, and I I was talking about Phil Hughes, who I think— At the end of the day, can be valuable whether he finds himself as a starting pitcher or if the Yankees do decide to put David Huff in the starting rotation. We know that Phil Hughes can make a good reliever. I will say that having him right now struggling one out of every five games really sets them back because the Yankees aren't going to be able to go on a six seven game winning streak, which is really would really propel them into a position to make the playoffs if they have inconsistent starting pitching coming up, you know, that often in their rotation.
0: Right, I agree, and you know, Hughes is scheduled to pitch, uh, I believe, this weekend if. Um, all things work out, you know, if he doesn't get skipped. Thursday's off day gives Joe Girardi a chance to skip Hughes if he wants to uh, and push him back to the Chicago series. And I just think Hughes and Pettit have been, I don't want to say the bottom part of the rotation, but they, they've been lagging behind this year. CC Sabathia is having a bad year, yes, but he's still 11-11 with a 4-8 ERA, which is not good for Sabathia, but still pretty good for the rest of the league. You know, Kuroda's been great all year, kind of under the radar almost, and Nova's been pretty good since he came back from the disabled list. He's been great, actually, since he came back from the disabled list. But Hughes and Pennett have kind of been that that wild card, and when they pitch back-to-back, it's, you know, if Hughes has a bad night, it almost puts more pressure on Andy to snap back into things, because, you know, then if he has a bad night, that's two in a row. If they have to use the bullpen a lot, that kind of taxes things. The way the rotation is set up right now kind of hurts in that regard. The thing is, is that Pettit struggled for a good long time, especially after he came back from that injury, the the, the second back injury. And then he's kind of turned it around over the last couple weeks. He's had a few good starts in a row. He went seven innings last night. I mean, that's the first time he's gone that far in a while. Hughes, on the other hand, has one good start every month and then kind of falls apart. And to, to Phil Hughes' credit, he's the first guy standing in front of his locker on those days and saying, Look, I know I didn't do as well as I could have. I know I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm battling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. He's accountable. He knows that his performance isn't what anyone wants it to be. Him, the team, the fans, the media, anybody. And he's accountable for that. The problem is, at some point, Joe Girardi is just going to have to go and say, Look, we need to at least try something. Yes, Phil Hughes is capable of having a great start, and he's had a few of them this year. But Phil Hughes is just as capable, and if not more likely, it seems lately, to have a start that's not necessarily terrible, but you know, he doesn't get out of the fifth inning. He, his pitch count is too much. He doesn't put batters away. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. And, and realistically, if you know that's almost an automatic out once every five days, you've got to try something at this point. They're, they're only a few games back. There's 30 games left. They need to try something, whether it be David Hoffer, anything really there's no internal options that are that are come to
1: mind because everybody's hurt it seems like every time we think yankee fans think this is the start that d- will define phil hughes's season if he doesn't start well here they will do anything to get him out they will put somebody else in whatever it seems like that start he gives up two runs in seven innings so he pitches well to save his to save his job in the rotation then suddenly he's safe for another five days has a bad start and then we're back to where we are now, whereas where we're like, well, we don't really have a better option. So he does have the good start every once in a while. The, the bottom line right now for the Yankees is that they're finally pretty much healthy. So in their lineup, it's going to be hard for starters to lose games giving up three runs in six innings. Because if they give up three runs in six innings, give the Yankees a quality start, then... The Yankee bullpen has been dominant, comes in 7, 8, and 9 with Kelly and Logan, Robertson, and Rivera. That's a game the Yankees can win. All the Yankees need from now on is six runs and three innings. They need quality starting pitching, quality starts. I, I think we all know CC Sabathia has been really throwing the ball much better of late. He's been throwing 94, 95 miles an hour, and I, I said this earlier today also, he ha- happens to have two types of starts. He has the starts where he gives up six runs in the second inning and goes eight innings, six right. runs. He's been doing that for since 2009. Right. Or... Or he'll pitch seven scoreless innings, and in the eighth inning, he'll give up four runs. So he really hasn't had that spotless start that you'd expect from Sabathia. There's always runs, whether they're beginning or the end of the game. I don't know what it is about him. Hitters just seem so much more comfortable, even if they're facing a 94-mile-an-hour fastball from Sabathia he just doesn't seem to intimidate hitters anymore. And and I find that hard to believe because he's a monstrous human being, but then again, you know, I've been wrong before.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he's, you know, he might still be battling through some of those elbow issues. He had bone spurs removed from his elbow this winter. So, you know, who knows? I mean, with Tommy John surgery, they say guys come back from in 12 months, but doctors say it takes up to two years uh, and a year of game action to get back to where you were pre-surgery. So, I mean, who knows what's going on there. But to... to Illustrate the point about Hughes. I just I just punched up his numbers a little bit. Let me, let me grab him here. He had a he had a quality start against Seattle in June, and since then he's got three. It's now about to be September first, and his next start would be you know sometime between August thirty first, September third, depending on how they they push back. He has three quality starts in two months.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's, that's
0: really that's, bad. <laughs> well, it's it's bad, but the thing about that is, is that as you said, the Yankees need. Six innings, three runs, a quality start, and the offense can now give him a chance to win. He hasn't proven he can do that of late. So, like I said, the problem, and the problem they've had really for the last couple months, every time it's been talked about with Hughes, Vidal Nuno is hurt down in AAA. He's just started a throwing program a little while ago, but he's been coming back from a, a groin injury. Michael Pineda was shut down with a sore shoulder. He hasn't pitched in a few weeks. Jose Ramirez has been on the disabled list down there. Uh, you know, Chris Bootcheck was up for five minutes earlier this year, got a one-inning appearance and, and has been sent back down, and he's been pretty much Scranton's most consistent starter. Huff is already up. Adam Warren's gotten a spot start, you know, and who knows what he can give you. So realistically, they're down to, you know, Phelps is on the DL now with the forearm screen. He probably won't pitch again this year. They're now realistically down to anybody they put in that spot is really like they're a, maybe 11th starter at this point. So... I mean, Brett Marshall is going to pitch this weekend for Scranton and then their season ends, so who knows? Maybe he comes up, maybe he gets a start in early September. Maybe Huff gets a chance once September 1st comes around, they can call up guys like Patances and recall Claiborne when their season ends and and get some reinforcements in the bullpen. Maybe Warren gets a spot start, but but right now, that may be the one thing the Yankees need to fix, for lack of a better word, to, to kind of push forward even further. The other thing we need to talk about coming out of that is the infield situation. I mean, Robinson Cano gets hit by a pitch. Uh, not the first time J.A. Happ has hit someone in the hand with a pitch this year. Uh, comes out, luckily, for the Yankees, X-rays negative. He's been diagnosed with a bruised hand day to day. He might get to Wednesday off, you know, a couple days off with a Thursday off day to kind of heal it. But then Eduardo Nunez comes in and gets a spike caught in the turf, goes down awkwardly. And in the ninth inning, you have Mark Reynolds playing second base. Um, He looked good there, by the way. He did. He turned that double play very well at the end. Um, But Mark Reynolds is not a second baseman. And, you know, Alfonso Soriano was eight years ago, but it's kind of tough to move him back now, even if if it's for a one-game thing, unless it's an emergency like Mark Reynolds was. You know, speaking of reply all as well, I, I posted an article today wondering whether or not the Yankees should do something with Travis Hafner. He's been out for about a month and change now with that shoulder strain, and there's really no timetable for his return. Nobody said anything. You haven't heard anything about him. Last anyone knew, he was with the team on picture day a couple weeks ago and said, I'm strengthening the shoulder. I can't really do anything yet. Well, here we are now in the final you know, five weeks of the season. Within the final five weeks of the season, there's still no timetable. There's going to be no chance for him to rehab after this week because every minor league season ends and realistically only Trenton is going to the playoffs, so that would be the only spot he could even get some at-bats in a regular game situation. You have to wonder if now the Yankees should just say, okay, we're going to put you on the 60-day DL, you're done. We need David Adams right now. We need a roster spot for Brent Lillibridge or Alberto Gonzalez because as as fluid as everything has been this year with Jason Nix and Lillibridge and Gonzalez and Vernon Wells playing every infield position for an inning at some point during the year, If something happens to Robinson Cano, and if something is seriously wrong with Eduardo Nunez's knee, even if it's just a mild sprain that's going to keep him out for 10 days, they can't afford right now to not have any offensive firepower or anything on the bench, realistically, without him. I mean, they can't afford to have Mark Reynolds as their starting second baseman, and they can't really even afford to have him as their backup second baseman at this point. So you have to wonder, are they going to have to make a roster move? What are they going to do? You, you need to give Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez a couple days as the DH. You know, Joe Girardi has admitted that. They're getting up there in age. They're both coming off significant injuries. You're going to need something behind there. If Eduardo Nunez isn't healthy, what do you have? Right now it's nothing. You have a handful of 30-plus-year-old men playing positions they haven't played in years, if ever. And that's really not ideal.
1: Yeah, I would say totally that it depends because if Eduardo Nunez is okay – then the Yankees have their utility guy. If he's not okay, then I I would think B. Lil Brent Littlebridge will be your guy. He'll come up. He can play every position on the field. So I think it totally depends. I do think that Travis Hafner was a starter at the beginning of the year, but in reality he is a bench player, a bench left-handed hitter. If if they're bringing in a guy late in the season who can throw 95 from the right side— that way you don't have to put Vernon Wells in to pinch hit. You can bring in Travis Hafner, who's a power threat, and he can drive in runs.
0: Right. I mean, the, the the crux of the issue is, too, is you know Hafner can't play the field. And Joe Girardi even admitted at one point this year that he doesn't have a glove with him because he doesn't want him to play the field. And Hafner was a first baseman, so really that's not... Going to do anything, especially with Reynolds in the fold now to kind of platoon with Overbay with the lefty righty split. You have to wonder if he's a, a luxury, for lack of a better word, if he's a luxury that they just can't afford—at least not for the next week. You know, on September first, I mean, Scranton is already out of postseason contention. Their season ends on Labor Day, and they're done. So you know, as soon as those rosters expand, David Adams is coming up. You could probably assume Betances is coming up. You could probably assume Melky Mesa is coming back. You could probably assume that Claiborne's coming back, and they they're, they're going to need. You know, they're going to need those roster spots. They have a lot of 60-day uh, DL spots open. They can move Hafner, but they're going to need to do something, and they got lucky, I think, last week when they rolled the dice and went with the extra reliever before Derek Jeter came back and, and kind of rolled the dice with that infield, and it worked out. I don't think they can afford to roll the dice this time.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. Um We're switching topics here quickly, something that Lou and I also talk about a lot because we're men in our 20s and 30s, (laughs) and that's fantasy football. I had a draft two days ago. I am not in love with how it went, which is not a good feeling. makes me want to have about nine other teams until I get what I think is the perfect team. I drafted Matthew Stafford way too early. Fourth round. Just really upset about it. I took uh, Ray Rice with my first pick, with the 10th pick. So, you know, I'm feeling all right about it. I, I drafted Chris Ivory because he was the only starting running back left on the board in, like, the 12th round for a good reason. He, he hasn't been able to basically—he's a running back who can't run, Lou.
0: Yeah, he he literally can't run at this point. He's, he's, <laughs> he's injured to the point where he can't run. Um, I, you know, I, I also had one of my drafts earlier this week, um, and actually it was Sunday night— and it, it amazes me that there are still leagues I've seen that are drafting in like early to mid-September or I'm sorry, early to mid-August. And it's like the the preseason is barely half over at that point. And you know, you mentioned reply all earlier, um our new web show where we uh we, you know, comment on something and then you comment on it and we respond. <laughs> you mentioned your, your first reply all, which is about the NFL preseason being uh-huh. sort of meaningless. In which I 100% agree with your point that you get all the worst parts of actual game action without any of the benefits of meaning anything other than, oh, hey, I got to see how guy X looks in a semi-game situation. I would feel bad for somebody if they drafted Joe McKnight, Mark Sanchez, Kevin Cobb. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, yes. He was early enough, and I am actually in a dynasty league where I have him, so that was kind of a oh, great. season season's off to a great start now. But... You know, again, even a guy like, like that, yes, where they go down in the preseason. You know, Kevin Cobb probably would have been Buffalo's starter week one because E.J. Manuel still kind of recovering from that knee injury, and now he may not play football again. So it's like if you drafted him late thinking, hey, I got a sleeper, I got a quarterback, whatever, but I'll get Kevin Cobb. They're going to, you know, he's got C.J. Spiller. They're not going to throw the ball a lot, but this, that, the other. And, well, now you're kind of
1: out in the lurch yeah I mean if you think that I disagree with with preseason NFL football then you know that I definitely disagree with preseason NFL fantasy drafts because there's just way too much on the line in the preseason that was kind of my argument yesterday it's just the injuries mean so much the games mean so little there's a disconnect it's just I, I think it's the height of stupidity to have these men trying to kill each other do it at the same speed they would in reality but Technically, it means nothing. It just doesn't make sense to me. And as a, as a giant fan, I'm watching the game on Saturday night, watching David Wilson run for a touchdown, but thinking if he makes one wrong step here, tears his ACL, we barely have a running back. But these guys know how to play the game. They've been playing long enough. They just got through camp. The, everybody knows each other. They're in shape. Just let them play in the regular season right away. So take away the preseason. Let the first few weeks of the regular season be the preseason. So everyone's on the same page. You have a few weeks of, you know, cuts and everything like that, like you would in the preseason. But the games matter. You sell more concessions and everything like that. But, yeah, getting back to fantasy, I, I can't even imagine having drafted Kevin Cobb or Jeremy Macklin or Dennis Pitta before they had gotten hurt because that's a really big deal. If you have a lot of money running in these leagues, I mean, that's that's a bummer.
0: Well, it's even, it's even a concern in a situation like, say, RG3 who I happen to have drafted in I think the 6th round in my draft this weekend. I'm assuming at this point his knee is 100% and even if he doesn't play week 1, he should be back week 2. You know, that's the assumption I'm going under when I pick RG3. If your draft is set you know September 1st, okay, you're fine, you know everything. If your draft is August 1st, how do you really know? You have to take a gamble. It's like your whole season is shot before you even know anything. It's kind of it's always it's always amazed me how people will set their drafts that early, but I've got three tomorrow. Unfortunately I won't be attending any of them because we will be in Trenton for their final home game of the season and uh the MVP foundation event which will be honoring David Robertson down in Trenton tomorrow. So if you uh if you're down in Trenton on Thursday night, come by, say hello to Doug, myself, Melissa Newhart will be there as well. Um so I'll have to see what I get. I hope my pre rankings worked out well. Yeah, Somehow risky. I have a feeling I'll end up with Mark Sanchez that's just risky. to smite me, but yeah. uh We'll see what happens.
1: I don't know about uh, about Mark Sanchez, Lou. I don't know what's going to happen.
0: I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen with Mark Sanchez or Geno Smith. Or The Jets did just sign Graham Harrell uh, yesterday, who was let go by Green Bay after they signed Vince Young. So that should tell you where yeah, Graham Harrell set. is in the quarterback, quarterback. Jets
1: are set, Graham Harrell. Come on. I, this is one of the most infuriating situations of the year so far because there is no answer And I hate myself for even talking about it because it's so meaningless because no matter who starts for this team, the Jets are going to be bad.
0: I think a lot of people would agree with that statement. How bad remains to be seen, but they have seemingly fewer offensive weapons this year than they did last year. Like you said, they literally have a running back who can't run. Uh, Their number one receiver is coming off a foot injury, and their number two receiver is coming off nobody knowing who he is. So it's <laughs> it's kind of like they're, they're a little – this might be Rex Ryan's swan song, to be honest, and he might take Mark Sanchez with him on the way out. But that's something people have been debating for a year or two now almost it seems. So it will be exciting to watch in sort of I think a – so, sort of like that train wreck kind of fashion where it's going to be exciting to see what happens next because it's going to be wacky.
1: Honestly, it's exactly like that. It's, it's looking at the car accident on the side of the road because you just have to look. And the, the really awkward thing now is that Mark Sanchez might not be able to play in week one, week two with this shoulder injury. Do you give it to Geno Smith by default and say, Hey, kid, know that you haven't done anything to deserve this job, but... Yeah, this is your chance because Mark Sanchez is hurt, so do whatever you want. Because he threw three interceptions in a preseason game against the Giants. Did not look good at all. And stepped out of the end zone because he had no idea where he was. Right. He just he looks like he's never played football in his life. So, you know, do you give it to McElroy or Sims? Because, its it, it, I mean, this is mind-blowing that we're even talking about this. <laughs> it, it's this... It's added a whole new script to the drama that Sanchez. Not, it's not even about whether or not he should be the starter. I think the Jets would tell you, probably, that he's earned it, or right. it was already thought that he would probably get it. I think they would tell you now that last weekend happened and Geno Smith played so badly that he's the obvious choice. I,
0: I think you mentioned the wildcard right there is Greg McElroy. Um, he did start the last couple of games last year when Sanchez was ineffective and got pulled and you know Rex didn't want to go to Tim Tebow, who will be starting at quarterback, by the way, in the final preseason game for the Patriots against the Giants. But uh, if you say, does Geno Smith get the job by default? I don't think so, because Rex can just say, Greg McElroy is my starter. And I don't want to say no one will question it, because everyone will be like questioning it regardless of who he names as a starter, but... At least McElroy has that experience. I mean, Sims, you know, has has the family name, so he's got that going for him. You got to give him, you can give him a shot just based on that. Harold does have minimal experience as Aaron Rodgers' caddy for the last couple years in Green Bay, but McElroy has started a game under center for the Jets. I mean, what else would Rex need if he decided, hey, look, Sanchez isn't one hundred percent? Geno didn't do anything to impress me. Let's just give the kid a shot and work out the kinks in week one and two until somebody
1: stakes their claim. Yeah, you know, uh, McElroy, uh led the Jets to that huge victory, seven to six victory last year. It was a big-time win. Just so fun to watch. This, this, this I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't. I, I'm done guessing. I think somehow it'll be week four in the NFL, and Rex Brown will be saying, we're going to take our time with this uh, quarterback decision. At some point, he needs to make a decision because we're right up against it right now. So we'll have to see what he ends up doing. Honestly, I I think it'll end up being either a healthy Mark Sanchez or, like you said, I think it'll be McElroy. I, I don't think that the Jets will give Geno Smith the opportunity to be the starter by default given that he's clearly a fresh talent maybe not even a talent at all, let's be honest. So we just have to wait and see, and, and that's going to be fun because Rex Ryan is, is
0: always interesting. And it's, it's taken the focus off the other AFC East issue that the Bills are going to start an undrafted rookie free agent in Week 1 because everyone else is hurt. So uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this first episode of the Yes Men. Speaking of Rex Ryan, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or subsequently afterwards when there will be a replay, the season premiere of This Week in Football is Wednesday night at 11 on Yes And we'll be replaying throughout the week. And Gary Myers has a big sit-down with Rex Ryan, so you can kind of get it from the horse's mouth to see exactly where they might stand heading into the final preseason game and and beyond. And we've got a lot of other great stuff up on the website, too. We should have that entire interview with Rex Ryan uh, in the next coming days. So all your Jets right there. Yeah, stay tuned. So that's going to do it for this uh, debut edition. We promise we're going to get better and better as time goes on. Uh, For Doug Williams, I'm Lou DiPietro saying keep coming back to yesnetwork.com, and we'll see you next time.